1: Well, great. Welcome, everybody, to another episode of The How of Business. It's just me today, Henry Lopez, and a great guest. Very excited to welcome Ursa Jackson. Uh, Ursa and I go way back, and I'll chat with that, uh, chat about that, I should say, a little bit here. Uh, but Ursa is a partner with Strasburger, and uh, she's the practice area leader for Strasburger's Franchise and Distribution Group. Uh, Ursa structures franchises and assists franchisors with ongoing transactional needs. Uh, She also handles litigation matters in the areas of business and commercial, false claims acts, uh, business torts, franchise and distribution, trademark infringement, misappropriation of trade secrets, all of that kind of stuff. Uh, Ursa has a tremendous background. In fact, I'm on the website now for Strasburger, and I see that you've been elected to the IFA's educational foundation board congratulations on that Thank you. Uh, IFA is the International Franchise Association um, and also as a kind of a legal disclaimer but you probably will touch on it as well obviously for our listeners today Ursa is not providing direct legal advice as obviously she cannot unless she has a relationship with you so what we're talking about today is just general advice tips things to think about but by all means, you should, of course engage an attorney uh, if it's not UrSA, then someone else to help you with any legal matters. So I just wanted to kind of get that uh, uh, on the, on the record here. But that's a brief introduction of UrSA. Uh, what would you add to that, please, Ursa, about yourself and about Strasbourg? Certainly,
0: Thank you, Henry, for that introduction. Uh, uh, first, uh, I'd like to just say I've got a tremendous love for franchising. I've done that for 18 years uh, here at the firm. I've enjoyed every minute of it. One of the things that I like about franchising is uh, that when it works well, it's a win-win for everyone. Uh, Just a little bit about my firm. So Strasburger has multiple offices all over Texas. Uh, We have uh, an office in Washington, DC, New York City, as well as Mexico City. We've got more than 30 different practice areas. We've got more than um, 200 lawyers at the firm and uh, we, we pride ourselves on client services. The firm has been around for more than 75 years and you don't stay around that long without doing something very well. So it's a pleasure to uh, be a part of Strasburger.
1: Excellent. Well, thanks for that. And again, welcome to the podcast. I was, as I was preparing for this episode, I was going through back through my materials, and I actually found the presentation that you gave, which is the first time I met you. It was at a franchising expo, I, I believe at the Gaylord Hotel here in Grapevine in 2008, and you did a breakout session on franchising um at the time that was before i had bought o world salons and my brother and i were there we were just looking for different business ideas and you did a wonderful presentation there was a couple things i took away from it was one you were a great presenter and very knowledgeable on the subject uh, but also you were you're very sharing with the information so we walked away with some knowledge and a great contact but that's when i first met you back in 2008 oh um and then of course we uh, chatted again when i had old world salons and was considering franchising that concept in fact you had done some um some work for the previous owners of that business and then we chatted with you again related to i top it a few years ago when we were looking at possibly franchising that concept so uh we've come to you a couple of different times throughout my business endeavors and have found you to be, of course, not just knowledgeable, but easy to work with, which I think is so important for small business owners in particular. I I also volunteer and work with uh, aspiring entrepreneurs. And one of the things I always advise them when they're looking for legal counsel or a CPA or whatever other professional is that they look for someone who they can work with. And I thought that was always something with you, it's always easy to work with you and you always explain things very clearly, so I always appreciated that.
0: Thank you for that, Henry. I mean, that's my ultimate goal. Some lawyers look at how they can complicate a situation. I try and simplify it because that's gonna be the best advice that my clients can digest and understand. I don't need to give the clients a long dissertation for everything, I need to figure out what their business solution is and figure out how legally we can achieve that. So that's always my goal.
1: Yeah, excellent. So let's dive into it. The first question I'd like to start with is, at a high level, why is it, in your experience or, or in your opinion, that franchising is so popular for a lot of businesses as a growth model, or maybe it's not quite an exit model, but a growth model certainly, and certainly in the in the food space, it's hugely popular. Why is that? Do you think?
0: Right. Well, when people think of franchising, they usually think of hospitality or food. Franchising uh, is really an $800 billion industry. So that in itself makes it attractive. There are over 800,000 franchised businesses in the US and it creates over 8 million uh, private sector jobs. So that's a positive for the economy. From the standpoint of a brand expanding, uh, franchising permits you to expand faster On someone else's dime, as a franchisor, you've got the Mm -hmm. uh, required controls in place so that your brand is protected, but you have others to help you with your brand expansion. Uh, Mm -hmm. It's a great way to expand. Uh, It creates wealth even when you're ready to turn the business over. Either you've got something to sell or you might want to pass it down to your kids, Um, but franchising is a great way to expand.
1: Yeah, so so I can I can look at it as a somewhat of an exit strategy, but really it's otherwise I would have to find the funding, the resources to open X number more units uh, within my state, nationally, but through franchising, I don't have to invest in that, and yet I can still grow my business that way, and then, so that's why people look at it so so commonly. Is that right? Yeah. Yeah. So what are some of the key factors you've seen at a high level, but what are those top two, three things you've seen that lead to a successful franchise?
0: That's a really good question. I think at the top of the list would be really good infrastructure. Before you uh, decide to franchise your business, you want to make sure you've got a solid business model in place. You know where... uh, where the money is made in the system. You've got your supply chain in place. Uh, You've got your management team in place. Um, And obviously good legal counsel, I can't tell you how often we're contacted after the fact where someone has um, sold a franchise accidentally, (laughs) there are a lot of things to worry about when you sell an accidental franchise. Um, So having good legal counsel in place Um, Also, looking at the business to make sure you can easily replicate it. Now that doesn't mean that your business is not unique, but you don't want a business that's so complicated that you couldn't train someone to do it. Because the beauty of a franchise system is that you can replicate it. So it needs to be something that you can easily scale and train others to do. And then obviously to make sure going forward that it's going to be An industry that you expect to grow. Mm. Sometimes brands sprout up very quickly, uh, but it's more of a fad. It's not something that you expect long term. So you need to be looking at your business to find out whether it has that staying power. So those are some of the things that I would talk to clients about on the front end.
1: Yeah, fantastic. And I want to drill it on one of those because it's, I think, one of the key points, and that's that replicating, being able to replicate it. And I think Uh, I think what that speaks to is systems. Um, One of my favorite books, and I'm sure it's one of yours, is The E-Myth by Michael Gerber. And, And one of the things he talks about is to build your business as if it's going to be a franchise, even if it's not. Even if it's a one location and that's all you ever want to grow it to, you build it such that you have systems in place that it could be replicated. But then, of course, that fits into preparing for franchise if that's what you might end up doing, right? Exactly. That's, that's what you were talking about there with rep, making sure it can be replicated. Exactly. Yeah. So in other words, the knowledge is not all in my head or two or three people's heads, but, but there are systems. It's documented. It's repeatable. And so that's what leads me then to be able to franchise that so I can show someone else how to do it.
0: Right. That's exactly right. And, Henry, I can't tell you how frequently I'm contacted by uh, a company that wants to franchise and I start asking them some preliminary questions. They uh, know how to operate that one business, but they've made lots of tweaks with that business along the way. So, sort of, what's the secret sauce that makes it work?
1: Mm-hmm. I'm yeah, able and
0: able to document that,
1: <laughs> right? And if you don't have that recipe, if you will, then that certainly is one of the things you have to give some thought to, to, to decide if you're ready to consider franchising, right? Um, and, and that's what you help clients with as well, is to get ready. Um, so let's, let's speak to that. What are some of the realities of preparing for running a franchise?
0: Good question. So th- th- this goes along the lines with my uh, infrastructure comment, and that is being able to adequately train franchisees and monitoring that compliance. That's really critical because we started out talking about expanding the brand uh, with others using your brand. You wanna make sure that they're using the brand properly. And so having the right infrastructure and training and monitoring the compliance. When you see that there are problems along the way, the first thing to look at is not whether that franchisee can be a good franchisee. It's, It's like training adequate. If it's a recurring issue, that's something internally to look at. So you work with the franchisees on their immediate problem, but the larger problem might actually be tweaking the training program. Staying in regular contact with your franchisees, uh, these are some day-to-day things that where the franchisees are on the front lines, you learn a lot from these franchisees. Uh, The larger brands will tell you, hey, we've gotten lots of great ideas from our franchisees, but just communicating with the franchisees. And as a brand, if you're gonna run a franchise, You've got to figure out how you continually make it better. Franchisees invest in your brand because there's an expectation that that brand is going to grow. It's going to stay relevant. And they're looking to the franchisor for that expertise. That's why they're investing in the franchise. So as far as running the franchise business, those are some of the recurring things that franchisors deal with all the time.
1: Yeah, that's great. The other point, and you had advised me before as well on, is that you almost have to look at this, if I recall correctly, as a separate business that you're going to establish, meaning if you're going to get into franchising, and sometimes people underestimate the resources required to do franchising. Can you speak to that for a moment?
0: I can, Henry. I'm so glad that you mentioned that. Yes. So you really need to make sure that you've got a team in place that's going to be dedicated to franchising, that the franchising end of it. It's not enough that you've got people who can tend to the company operation or the company store or location because you're gonna have all types of uh, concerns, questions coming in from the franchisees. You've gotta not only know your business in your sleep, you need to know the franchisees business well, enough so that if there's an issue, you're able to pinpoint and help the franchisee. It's almost like having a, a parent child relationship, in that if there's a problem, they're calling you. So you can right. say, Hey, I'm tending to my store. You've got to leave the store. So somebody's got to mind the store. Somebody's got to mind the franchising. And that's why I always say it's really a separate business.
1: Exactly, it really is. Um, all right, then you you mentioned something earlier that uh, ties into my next question. You said yeah, you sold if you sell a franchise accidentally, and that's an interesting way to put it. I didn't realize that that people do find themselves that in that position so often. But so to that point, you had mentioned also to me before something about money marks marketing. So how do people know? Oh, stop! I better call Ursa. I might be selling a franchise. What what should they look for?
0: So uh, so I like to use the three M's just uh, so people uh, remember them, money, mark, and marketing plan. Those are the three M's of a franchise, and that comes from the Federal Trade Commission's definition of a franchise. So when you've got those three pieces in place, unless there's some type of recognizable exemption, it's a franchise. Now, oftentimes, I have clients who come to me and they say, oh, we've sold these licenses. They're not franchises. And I always explain to him, it doesn't matter what you call the arrangement. If it's got those three legs, it's going to be a franchise. And more times than not, folks come to me thinking that they just sold a license and it's an accidental franchise. Mm -hmm. Some of the problems that could arise with that, obviously, you've got to disclose to these licensees that the relationship is actually that of a franchise and give them the opportunity to back out of that relationship. Now, more times than not, they don't do that, but that's why you want to make sure that on the legal compliance side, you're doing it right from the beginning. It's very challenging where there is a service involved to do a license arrangement where you don't run into franchise implications. Now, if you take away one of the legs, let's say uh, you're not doing any marketing, but they're using your, mark, uh, your trademark and they're paying you some money to use it. With a service brand, it's not just the product. There are bits and pieces of the service piece that you want consistent from store to store. So if, there, if there's any input in that piece at all, and that would be a restaurant, obviously, because so much of it is just the presentation, uh, then you've already triggered franchise laws. But most uh, clients think that they can just call it a license and they're okay.
1: Yeah, so obviously the big takeaway there is you need to consult with an attorney first before you go and get yourself into trouble. And I have to think that the we do that, we, we might do that because we're trying to shortcut the process or we don't want to invest in creating a franchise, and that's how people get themselves there, I suspect. Right. Uh, or they may have gotten bad legal counsel. Let's hope that's not the case, but that could be it as well. Right? Uh,
0: Henry, let me add this. We've had clients come to us. We've had the benefit of representing franchisees where they've been sold an accidental franchise. We've been on the franchisor side. And every time where the issue has come up, where the franchisee has said, I want to walk on the deal, it's where the business is not going well, obviously. So they'd like to have yeah. their money back. Absolutely. <laughs>
1: yeah no And doubt.
0: that hurts when you've got to go in your pocket and give them the money back.
1: Yeah, so that segues into my next question, which I think might be obvious, but so when if I am a business owner, I think I've got a good idea, I've started to do some of the work on preparing my systems, I've got it packaged, it's somewhat repeatable. When should they engage someone like yourself or a firm like yours in the process?
0: say very early in the process, most people think the minute they call an attorney, the clock is running. What I like to do is talk with my clients early on. I, I typically do an initial consultation that doesn't cost the client anything. What I do during the initial consultation is to get an idea about the business, uh, the industry. I'm going to ask them some preliminary questions that's going to be very valuable for them going forward. Um, I want to know about their supply chain, for instance. Where's the product coming from? Um, I wanna know what regions they want to expand in because I can talk to them about the ability to easily go into some states and not others, that it's going to be a little bit more difficult going in. So the sooner I'm involved in the process, uh, the the better I can be with giving them some high-level legal advice. And I typically will give them some homework to do. And then once they've got the homework completed, where they're ready to retain us, then we can get involved and really roll up our sleeves and take it to the next level.
1: Yeah, that that makes perfect sense. And and you and your firm, you offer the whole range of services, right? From someone who is just thinking about it, to someone who thinks they've got it all together. And you'll do an assessment, and and of course the whole process of becoming a franchisor. You all offer the entire range of services, correct?
0: That's exactly right. We offer services for the company who's just kicking around, hey, I'm sort of thinking about franchising. What are some things I need to be thinking about now to get me in a position to franchise? We work with companies who uh, might already have one or two units in a particular state, but they want to go international, we work with companies who um, want to uh, add an additional brand also. So we've got some companies that we work with and they've got multiple franchise brands. Uh, we run we run the gamut, all the types of services. Uh, we've got clients who are registered to sell franchises in all the registration states. So we help them out with their annual registration process. So we're full service on the franchise side.
1: So one of the things that I in, that I noticed and I learned is that one of the benefits in selling a franchise is that people, buyers, the public knows how to buy that concept. Right there's there's a level of perceived uh, value and trust and success potential in it. Uh, And the reason I brought that up is, for example, when I had my salon business, we, we thought about franchising, but we also thought about offering consulting services to help others open their own salons. But it was interesting how people didn't quite know how to buy a consulting service but they're very familiar and comfortable with buying a franchise. So that's another reason why you might consider franchising is because people know how to buy a franchise, meaning they're familiar with what that is. Can you add to that?
0: I think that that's right, and I, I think if you look at studies that have been done also on the success rate of a franchise business versus sort of the mom and pop shop, Uh, the differences are staggering. I know the International Franchise Association in conjunction with brand data uh, typically will publish information on the success rate for franchise businesses as opposed to non-franchise businesses. And I'm Mm -hmm. always amazed looking at the differences there. And one of the reasons is you start in a franchise business with a leg up as the franchisee because you don't have to go through all the troubleshooting in a perfect world, the franchisor has gone through a lot of that troubleshooting for you. And so you're walking into a brand with some infrastructure.
1: Yeah, so it could be a win-win for both sides. For someone who's looking to get into business, looking at it now from the franchisee's perspective, that's part of what I'm buying is I'm plugging into hopefully a proven model, a proven brand that has recognition, a turnkey system. You're going to train me. And so I I, I have the desire and the wherewithal to start a business, but I don't have the knowledge, and that's what I'm going to get from the franchisor. Conversely, the franchisor, if they've done their work right, is going to help minimize the failure because they're going to give the franchisee everything they need to get started, and and, and get started on on a positive uh, on a positive route. Right. That that's why it's such a win-win for people. Correct. Yeah, the FDD, I think is what it's called now, right? The franchise disclosure document. That's something you help people create as well, That's I'm assuming. That's
0: right. When we're working with brands that are um, launching their franchise program, we help them to construct that document from the ground up. Uh, just generally, the, the Federal Trade Commission designates 23 items of information that must be included in every franchise disclosure document, and we work through uh, p- putting that information together with the clients. It's very detailed. Uh, the franchise disclosure document includes not only those 23 items but the franchise agreement itself and any ancillary agreement like your non-compete, your uh, personal guarantee that you would require of franchisees. We help the clients prepare all of that. In some states, you've got to register before you can offer a franchise, so we help the clients out with getting registered, working with the state examiners in the various states.
1: Okay, excellent. Now, on the flip side, and from the franchisee's perspective, I I always also advise if you're looking at buying a franchise, you should get the help of an attorney. And I'm assuming you work with franchisees as well. Uh, So speak to that and why someone and when they should engage an attorney if they're looking at buying a franchise. Yes,
0: of course. I advise anyone who's looking at buying a franchise to get a franchise attorney to review that disclosure document with them from cover to cover and to review the franchise agreement. One of the things that I uh, impress upon my clients is my first and primary goal is to make sure you understand everything that's in this. You understand what you're getting into. My, My next goal is to find out if there are some points that they can negotiate. I always explain to them that this is not like a typical contract where you're going to rewrite it, but uh, depending on circumstances, the type of brand, the age of the brand, there might be some things that they can negotiate on, but those are very limited points. So I, um, I set the expectation of my client, um, franchisee client, that we're not going to rewrite this, but if there's a business reason that we want to ask for some modifications, uh, then we want to do that on the front end.
1: Excellent. Excellent. All right. Flipping it back to the business owner who's looking at maybe franchising, so becoming a franchisor, you mentioned things that they need to think about and would need to get prepared for their infrastructure, a solid business model, the management team, uh, the fact that it must be replicatable. The systems are in place. We chatted about it. You need to look at it as a separate company that you're setting up. Uh, anything else along those lines of what a business owner should be thinking about if they're contemplating franchising, things they need to do to be ready for that?
0: Yes. Uh, so, so something else I would add to that list, Henry, and that is intellectual property. Okay. A lot of businesses will operate with a an unregistered trademark. Mm. Where they start out and they brand a business, but it's not registered. That's one of the first things, whether you ever franchise or not, you want to make sure that your uh, intellectual property is protected. And more often than not, when clients come to me and they want to franchise, I ask them what they've registered and protected. I try to find out if there are trade secrets. I try and find out what copyrights they have. So I go through the gamut. Um, oftentimes, if there's a patent involved, they, they already know that because that's a very technical filing. But intellectual property is something that I have them think about upfront because it's not money that they're wasting because intellectual property needs to be protected whether they franchise or not.
1: Yeah, that's right, and that's that's a great one because, like you said, they might have, for example, their name trademarked, but they may not have their tagline trademarked. Uh, they may not have their, their icon, their image trademarked, and so those are things that you can help them with, even if they don't end up going the franchising route. It's important stuff, um, and you advise clients on that every day as well. Um, okay, so let's start to wrap this up. Obviously – I've used you over the years, I've referred business to you, and I know why, but but share with us why Strasburger has been so successful, you've been successful, why do people continue to refer clients to you?
0: I think it's because we look at a client as building a long-term relationship. We don't just look at it as doing one project or one thing and we're done with the client. Uh, and so our goal is to build a long-term relationship with the client. And we get involved and learn the client's business. We figure out what the client's business goals are. And I think that clients enjoy that. Uh, We want to partner with our clients and build that relationship. And I think that that's what keeps our clients coming back.
1: Yeah, I I would definitely agree with that. You know, I mentioned at the outset how I first met you. you. You and your firm do a lot of sharing of knowledge. Uh, I met you there. I've been to, uh, um, I would call it a conference, but but different groups you've put together on franchising that are free to attend. I attended one at your your building a few years back. So it's that kind of sharing and, like you said, looking to build a long-term relationship that's what brings me back and what uh, causes me to refer you to uh, my clients. So I I appreciate that and that way of doing business. let me ask you a slightly off-track question, and that is, is there a book or a resource that you've read recently or that you're currently reading that you would recommend to our small business owner audience?
0: One thing that I would actually suggest for anyone considering franchising is uh, this is a publication that the International Franchise Association puts out and it's called Franchise Opportunities Guide. The reason that I would suggest this, it's it's very recent information, the fall winter 2015 just came out, but this has a lot of industry information, industry meaning franchise industry information, but it also uh, has a thumbnail sketch of all types of franchise businesses what would be beneficial for a business that's in one of these particular industries. For instance, if you're doing made and personal services, you check out all of your competitors to find out what they're doing, what their franchise fee is, what their footprint is. So use this as a resource guide. But you can also get an idea about all of the various industries in which there are franchises. So I like that as a recommendation. I also suggest to my Uh, prospective franchisor and franchisee clients that they read a publication that the Federal Trade Commission puts together called, Buying a Franchise, a Consumer's Guide. I like this uh, because it's a short read, uh, but it's very good information, very concise information. Uh, You can read that um, and uh, have a good overview. You'll also understand why that franchise disclosure document is so complicated once you start to look at all the pieces included.
1: Fantastic. So those are two great resources. I will include links to those in the show notes for our listeners so you can find those. Are there any other non-franchise-related business books, personal books that you've read recently that you've enjoyed?
0: Uh, One thing that I would suggest, and that's uh, reading some of uh, Stephen Covey's material,
1: Okay. I
0: was at a conference about a month ago in Orlando, and I had an opportunity to hear him speak. And what I like about uh, some of his conversation is he talks about everything really relying on trust. Do I trust Hmm. the person across the table? How do I earn the trust of the person across the table and the detriments of losing trust? And he applies that in a business context. And when I heard him speak, I thought, that's so relevant to franchising, because so much of it is building that trust relationship with the franchisees. And you get the win-win when you've got the trust. And so outside of that, I mean, Stephen Covey.
1: Yeah, no, that's great. That's perfect. That's a perfect segue into how do you apply that to to franchising. So I was going to ask you if you have any other last parting pieces of advice, although that last one was fantastic. Anything else that comes to mind that we haven't talked about? Thinking about it from our listener who is a small business owner and might be thinking about or might be somewhere along the process of thinking about franchising. Anything else they should think about or parting piece of advice?
0: Uh, I would tell them to uh, check out franchise.org. That's the International Franchise Association's website. Uh, While there is content that's available to members only, there's a lot of general content there for free. So that's a great resource to find out kind of what's going on in the franchise space.
1: And then ideally, they'll reach out to you. What's the best place uh, or the best way for our listeners to learn more about you or Strasburger and to reach you?
0: Uh, The the best way is to give me a call at my direct dial, 214-651-2394. Email is great also. I'm very responsive. I like to turn around uh, calls and emails as fast as I can. My email address is ursa, E-A-R-S-A, dot jackson at S T R A S B U R G E R S-T-R-A-S-B-U-R-G-E-R.com. Also, you can check out our website periodically. We will post material there. My contact information is there at www.stralsberger.com:
1: Excellent. We'll put all that info as well in the show notes uh, for those of you who can go there for that very good. Uh, uh, Ursa, thank you so much for taking your valuable time uh, to share it with us, some knowledge here. This is, I think, fantastic information for those who are thinking about franchising. Uh, obviously, the key, one of the key takeaways for me, as I already knew, but I want to make sure our listeners get it, is that if you're contemplating this... Talk to a good attorney like Ursa. Get that advice early on. You're going to save yourself a lot of time, a lot of potential headaches, a lot of potential legal issues if you get that advice early on. Because it is a it's 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 not an overly complex process, but it, it is one that you need an attorney to help you navigate. So, but thanks again for your sharing, for uh, taking the time. We appreciate it tremendously, and perhaps we'll have you back on a, a future episode on a related topic. Thank you, Ursa. We
0: bet, Henry. I'd love to come back. Thank you.
1: All right, folks, thanks for listening to another episode of The How of Business. If you've enjoyed this episode, please give us your reviews and likes on iTunes or wherever you might be listening to this podcast. And we look forward to having you join us in a future episode of The How of Business. Thank you for listening to The How of Business with David Begin and Henry Lopez. We hope you found practical ideas to help you start, manage, and grow your business. If you enjoyed this podcast, leave a comment on iTunes and go by LevanteBusinessGroup.com and learn more about Levante's resources to help you with your small business. Until next time, thanks for listening and go live your dream.
0: Vacation starts with VA. One thing you'll love about your trip to Virginia is that you'll never have to settle for one thing. All that you love is all in one trip. Start yours at Virginia.org.